Magenta On Air, the power of voice. Brought to you by Linklaters. Hello and welcome. My name is Cecile Summers-Lee and I am guest hosting this episode of the Power of Voice series in which I shall talk to the wonderful Daniel Danso who's in London with his voice and phone. Always a powerful combination. Would you introduce yourself? Well, thank you so much. I, I'm really thrilled to be here. This is actually my first podcast. Um, so I am, I'm excited to be a part of this. Um, I'm Daniel uh, global diversity manager for Linklaters, and uh, I have had a very interesting journey with my own voice, um, both being foreign in the United Kingdom, um, you know, having a, a voice as an African American during these times when I go around the globe, and uh, you know, the visibility of what they think African Americans are. I kind of have an opportunity to subvert that with my voice. Um, I'm a gay man, so I have had the opportunity to use that voice in a variety of different spectrums to both, you know, impact uh, individuals and also to protect myself. And I think this is, you know, just a variety of different ways that when we talk about the notion of voice, that it can be used to, to both reinforce someone's individuality, challenge the norms that people have been existing under, and create something positive for the future. So I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. When we were preparing this podcast, you submitted some notes and a phrase that struck me as very topical, namely, the notion of a voice in society is powerful, personal, and political. Could you say a little more about that? Um, yeah, I, I, th I think for me, looking at, you know, just looking at 2020, um, you know, it's, it's been a year of various crises. And I think that uh, some of the 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 notion of a collective voice that has come out following Black Lives Matter, um, where you know, around the globe, not not only people from you know black backgrounds were were able to unify in their voices, but I think also a new voice of uh, a generation of allies, those those individuals who did not experience uh, racial disadvantage, uh, but still felt as appalled by some of the things they were seeing both in the United States and, you know, again, around the globe, um, that, that collective voice uh, also started to rise. And so I think, you know, what we're seeing right now is uh, uh, much more of, uh, I, I suppose, the confidence for individuals to tell their stories. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is from those individuals' stories, we're seeing a collective response um, and so I think the the personal feelings around what, what my voice means and now that we, we can have one have, have been elevated. Um, and I think also, you know, those, those voices collectively are the voice of a movement. And so, you know, the personal is very political. Uh, and I think that those, those aspects of, of using our voice collectively and individually to share those stories have come out quite clearly this year. Uh, and so, you know, for me, it just, it highlights the, the fact that in a lot of different uh, situations where crisis uh, came about, 
um, in various other forms, like the Me Too movement, where women across the globe, you know, found a collective voice. Um, I think those are reflecting in what we're seeing in, in 2020 today. Yeah, it's it's true that these days anything anyone wants to say can be said, recorded and sent out into the world and reach millions. That's scary for some people because, you know, when we were kids, we maybe knew 20 or 30 people, like really knew them. Yes. Young kids today, you know, they can say something on, on social media and anybody on the planet can reply. Uh, and that, that's a very different exposure of, 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 you know, someone's personal voice or the political views or, or even their opinions in ways that, you know, previous generations didn't have access to. Um, right. so yeah, the, the, that voice in social media really is rising. You mentioned people who may not have experienced racial disadvantage themselves, but wanted to lend their voice to the various causes and movements nonetheless. Some people object to that, for instance, arguing that gay roles should be played by gay actors, not straight ones. This notion of, you know, this is my camp, get your own camp. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I do think that there have been, uh, you know, elements of... of I suppose tribalism, you know, throughout history. I mean, that, that's how oral traditions were passed down, you know, before the written word or, or the, the technologies of communication advanced. Um, you know, we we told our stories to our people, and that that you know, every civilization has that. I think, you know, looking looking forward to today's world where we are seeing um, an ability for people to be recognized in ways that they weren't before. Um, we're now starting to see just how uh, exclusive some of the regular um, societal uh, spheres have been for, for different voices. I mean, that it's the reason why, for example, Hollywood, you know, has been chastised over the last couple of years about being very white. Um, yes. You know, when you when you see a lack of uh, people of color. Uh, from a variety of backgrounds, not just black. I mean, you know, do you know any well-known Native American Indian actors? You know, no. and they were there before any of us, right? It, so <laughs> when, when you look at when you look at those fears, and you're starting to see a rise in um, the the acknowledgement of certain groups, whether it be the LGBT, uh, you know, uh, population, or whether it is. Um, women who are saying, you know, actually, we have a voice in this space. I, I think what is starting to happen is people are recognizing just how exclusive these areas have been. Um, and so now, when, you know, actors who have been celebrated for playing, you know, the risk of playing a gay character as, as being straight, you know, they're now recognizing that gay actors have been playing straight for years with no <laughs> acknowledgement. You know, yes. no, no acknowledgement, no celebratory anything. Um, and, you know, so it, it, it just depends on the perspective that you're looking at. I think the perspective of people who have been excluded, that now is starting to come to the forefront. And the individuals who have always been included are recognizing just what a privilege that's been. Um, yeah. Before we started the actual talk, we briefly mentioned the French Prime Minister Jean Castex, who received a lot of flack for having a regional accent from the south of France, rather than the preferred or desired or expected accent of the Parisian bourgeoisie. And the same with Margaret Thatcher, who was ridiculed for trying to speak posher than she was. So if we run with the idea that the voice is an instrument and diversity is a good thing, 
who is to dictate what tune regional, social, societal I play with it? Can't we sound any which way we want? I personally think it should be. The only rules against that are societally given. You know, mm-hmm. um, the, the way I, I think we were talking earlier about the perception uh, of a person, how, you know, w- without seeing them, the voice can almost, uh, based on societal understandings or expectations, almost stereotype you in a way. Mm-hmm. The way that I sound, um, uh, you know, as I was saying, when people hear me, they assume that I'm white. And then when they meet me, I, and I literally have been in situations where people have walked past me calling my name, looking for the white guy that they were expecting. And, you know, that literally it's a, oh, hi, how are you? You know, and you can see that they have built up this entire background in their minds. And I yes. didn't fit it. Um, being in, in the city in London, um, I am fortunate in a way that my accent is unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is very, it's American in the same way that, you know, Americans love the British accent because it evokes, um, you know, this poshness. You know, they think everybody that comes from Britain knows the Queen. Um, but in the same respect, in Britain, you know, if you have a northern accent or if you have a real southern accent, it evokes, you know, this image of countryness or yes. a lack of education. Um, which in turn, you know, can be stereotyped as in they may not fit mm-hmm. the city. And so, you know, in during my career, I have seen young kids that are coming into professional environments that are trying to change their accents uh, to sound less, quote unquote, common, that that isn't valued. And I think when you get to the point where you are changing your names, you're changing your accent in order to fit, that after a while starts to eat away at the core of who you are. And that's what I mean by the voice is personal, it's political. You know, that's what I mean by that. In 2020, so much has changed and oddly, some of it for the better. Do you think we'll ever live in a world in which we can choose any voice we want? Um, I mean, I'd love to say that there's... (laughs) Social norms and rules and mores um, will change, but I, I do think that the reality is, you know, those things have been in existence far, you know, before our generation, and I think they'll be here afterwards, which mm-hmm. is why I, I, I think the movement uh, of, of, in my case, diversity and inclusion is about not necessarily trying to undo that because the reality is it will be here. It's about getting people to subvert um, the biases that they may have because of that understanding. So it, instead of trying to get a, rid of a system that will be reinforced in, in a variety of ways that I will never be able to touch, you know, it's better to teach people how to manage those things and to teach them where those, those ideas come from about someone's voice indicating their level of, of education or someone's voice indicating that they may be dangerous or a threat to you or someone's voice indicating that they are so similar to you that without you thinking about it, you will promote them, you'll sponsor, you'll support them. And I yes. think those are, those are the things that we should be tackling. We shouldn't try, you know, to, to uh, affect fields and areas and, str- and strata in the world where we don't have control. We, I'll, I'll never be able to change the way that, you know, certain uh, segments of the population will look at, say, in my case, black people. 
I'll never mm-hmm. be able to change all of that. But what I can do is help them to understand the roots of those ideas and mm-hmm. the roots, and, and I suppose the, the impact of that on people like me and on themselves. You mentioned how collective voices can change the course of human development, but you also doubt that we will ever rid ourselves of the educated voice stigma. Both of those things absolutely can be true. I mean, if you think about... Um, before we had the connection that we do on the internet and the visibility that that brings us with that collective voice, you know, protests on the street were the ways that groups use their voices. Um, Mm -hmm. But now those protests on the streets have been taken over uh, by the billions of people that are in social media. So you've seen things like, you know, the, uh, the ALS challenge, you've seen the, the hashtag bring back our girls um, mm-hmm. You've seen people who are not even in the countries where some of these things are going on actually lending their voices in ways that before it would have necessitated them actually traveling there and going. So yeah. I think, you know, part of part of our evolution as as a society is using the apparatus that we've got at the moment. And I think right now, social media, technology, building that collective voice is really important. And as we're navigating those things, um, it it is going to change the way that we think about what voices look like. Isn't it Mm -hmm. fascinating when you hear singers, um, it doesn't matter if you watch the voice, you know, or it shows like that and the voice Indonesia, the voice Holland or the voice wherever. And when they start to sing soul songs or they start to sing pop songs, it doesn't matter how or what their English proficiency is. They automatically sound like an American soul singer, you know, sure. uh, and that that is not performance. It's performative, but it's not performance. But I think that it is kind of a melding and a borrowing of some of the culture. It's it is a mixing of things. And that is brilliant. It doesn't mean that they are being taken over. But it does mean that they're able to, you know, find a, a connection in that. And if they yeah. can do that in music, why can't they do that in life? Well, it's probably a, a matter of orchestration, you know, getting like in a symphony, getting all the voices heard or everyone piping up. Because you mentioned um, in your notes this thing about the need to give a voice to the to those people who are absent or who might not have a voice? The only thing that I think is probably really pertinent, you know, I, all, all of that was pertinent, but I think the, the, the element of people who didn't have a voice in certain situations, like, you know, if I was the only woman in a room full of men, historically, maybe my voice wouldn't have been as heard. Or if, you know, you know the, the way that a lot of um businesses right now, if we take it to that level, businesses that don't have representation of, of a variety of different groups. And yet, you know, they're trying to make decisions that will impact these groups without their voices being there. So like, for example, you know, famously in the United States where um, you, there was this brilliant picture of, uh, you know, like dozens of men around a table and they were all deciding on women's reproductive rights without mm-hmm. a woman in the room. So Indeed. It's like, you know, if the voice is in the room, it's not being heard. And I think that, you know, that is a, that's a notion of, of the change that, that is starting to, to happen at the moment where 
you know, we're recognizing that in a variety of different spaces, we have been as society acting on behalf of people without getting their voices. With the new US government, it looks like we might have a whole group of new voices um, about to speak up. But it's also true that being the voice and speaking up requires bravery. And, and imagine how terrifying that is to, to have the weight of everybody who's like you on what you say. I mean, think about, you know, Obama being the first black president and the expectation from everyone that that one man was suddenly going to solve, you know, <laughs> generations of racial disharmony because suddenly he was the only representative of that voice in that space. And I think we see that a lot with um, in, in the business world. Anyway, we see that a lot with the, the few women that make it to very senior levels. They're expected to speak for everyone that's like them um, mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and I think that as as more of us are recognized and make it to areas where we hadn't previously been, the expectation on us representing everything about, you know, our community lessens. And as more people who do not experience those allies, some of the things that, you know, certain groups go through and lend their voice, that's what I mean by it can change the course of human development. Because I think it, it is a, a combination of this is my experience and this is your experience and it should not be this way from someone who doesn't need to say it. I think those two things in combination are what's going to change things over time. Well said. Thank you very much, Daniel. This was wonderful and a great experience. Your first podcast. Thank you and very well done. People out there, I hope you tune in to Linklater's Magenta On Air event all about the power of voice. It will be exclusively on RTL Today on Tuesday the 12th of January 2021 from 11.30 to 12.30. It will be hosted by yours truly and it's an hour of discussion, debate and entertainment. Magenta On Air, the power of voice. Brought to you by Linklaters. 